Good evening, everyone, and thank you very much for joining us tonight. Uh, my name is Patrick Nelson, and uh, I'll be hosting tonight's session. Uh, but the uh, speaker and our guest is uh, Graeme O'Brien uh, from the ASX. He's the Senior Manager for Equity Derivatives. Graeme, have I got you there on the line? You sure do, Patrick. Thanks for uh, having me. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us. And um, uh, as we've got the disclaimer up here, I'll, I'll handle that first off. Uh, any advice tonight? is general and he doesn't take into consideration your personal circumstances and you need to decide for yourself whether it's appropriate for you. Past returns are not an accurate indicator of future returns uh, and if you're going to trade options um, they're risky uh, if you don't know what you're doing so um, we would encourage you to ensure that you did some education and practice before you uh, got started. Tonight is a is part of, a, I guess, a, a weekly session that we've been running over the, the last three or four weeks where each week we're going to be talking to either a trader uh, or an industry professional. This is an ongoing thing and it's these sessions are built for people who trade options or are serious about tr getting into trading options and understanding what they're doing. Uh, last week, Brian Corman gave, gave a great presentation and we've had a, a range of other uh, presenters in and we aim to in the weeks ahead continue to do this so tonight uh, quite timely to get Graham involved and uh, Graham uh, before we get into talking about what you've been seeing what the ASX have been seeing in the market and the discussion about uh, those the, those sorts of things um, and just you know uh, I've known Graham for, for quite some years now he's a massive supporter of the options market uh, has done a lot of education around it and uh, is constantly looking at ways of improving the market and, and the resources available for options traders. Um, Graham, how did you get into, into the options market in the first place? Oh, look, uh, Patrick, it was actually straight out of university back in 1995, I believe it, 25 years ago. I, uh, I um, was looking for a job outside of university and... Uh, this, is, this amazing place of the trading floor was still open and the only thing that traded on the trading floor back then was the options market and I always was so interested about uh, the trading floor back in the old equities days and uh, and really my start was because I wanted to work on a trading floor and uh, the only market that was open in equities was the options market and it was such a great start. started uh, actually operating on behalf of interstate clients uh, back then. The trading floor was only in Sydney and... Uh, Obviously, interstate brokers couldn't have a presence on the floor, so I operated on their behalf, uh, putting orders into the options market when it was, when it was still a floor-traded market. And, uh, and and what did that look like, you know, practically? Um, what was the technology that you were using back then to place orders? Oh, look, uh, back then, uh, the interstate orders were coming um, via um, electronic means, so coming through a computer system. However, yeah. most of the trading on the floor was market makers with sheets and they actually had a printout of where the stock price could be at any particular point during the day and then they had an option price for each of the strikes that were available over each of those stocks in the market. And I couldn't imagine how they'd be able to operate in what we've seen recently in the market because they'd be forever having to run back to their desks and printing out new sheets because markets move too fast on them and they'd have to reprint their sheets with new prices in the marketplace. So it was very manual back in those days. Uh, the people that were based on the floor in Sydney, they'd get a call from maybe one of the desks um, uh, getting an order from a client, and they'd physically walk into the pit, 
put the order into the market makers, get a price from those market makers, and then trade against it. So it was a very manual market except for the electronic orders coming from interstate clients. And what now What now uh, are your sort of broad responsibilities at, at the ASX? Oh, look, um, my broad responsibility at this point in time is um, I'm the responsible business owner for uh, the equity derivatives market at ASX. So that's both our SPY futures contracts and also the exchange traded options market itself. Uh, beyond that, um, I've had a remit over the last uh, 20 years at the ASX anyway of really ensuring that both advisors and the general public are well educated across a suite of products uh, that the ASX offers. But really my, uh, my main interest and my main goal at the ASX is to see growth out of our equity derivatives market. Yeah. Um, there's been, a, I mean, over the last 15 years, um, that, you know, that there's been a rapid change uh, in terms of what option, well, products that people can trade. We saw, you know, CFDs come into the market, um, you know, uh, binary options, uh, and, you know, more recently people who are trading Bitcoins and there's been, you know, there's been a few um, fads in there at the same time. But, I mean, what, I mean, why do you think options um, are such a good trading product or what do you think the superior elements to say uh, options are over say other trading instruments? Look at, at their core, options are risk transfer instruments and regardless of the market environment there is a trade with an options contract that can take the risk out of your portfolio or for some people that like to take on risk actually add risk into their portfolios themselves. And you're right, there's been such a massive change in the 25 years that I've been involved in the market. We've gone from uh, days where margin lending was where everyone got their leverage from in the marketplace to when a uh, warrants market uh, took off within Australia and started offering products very similar to option-style contracts. The only downside to the warrant, though, was that you couldn't short-sell it, so there was no covered call strategies that you'd get out of, uh, out of the warrants market. Uh, you mentioned CFD. Uh, they are a pure leverage plate and they give you a leveraged exposure one-for-one uh, one with an underlying instrument. But the one thing that many of these products, futures, CFDs, margin lending, warrants, can't do is give you that exponential return if you get the market right. You can pick your exact view of what you want in the market and build an option strategy that is going to give you the maximum possible return from that view. Uh, no other product can... Uh, can be tailored as well as an options contract. Um, what, in terms of um, with what's going on in the options market at the moment, are there any major changes that are coming up that traders should be aware of? Oh, look, the, the thing I'd be most wary of in this type of market is corporate actions. Um, every corporate action depending on whether it's a pro rata corporate action versus something that's only for institutional holders, for instance, will have a differing impact on your profitability and options trade. Importantly, if there's a pro rata event, so if a company does a share split or offers bonus shares or offers a, uh, a share purchase plan to all of their shareholders, ASX will make adjustments to make the contract whole. But things like recently, we've seen a couple of stocks 
announce a dividend and actually not go ahead and pay that dividend itself. Harvey Norman, for instance, announced their dividend, went ex-dividend and actually pulled that dividend from the market. That has impacts on options trading because obviously options have the embedded value of dividends. So I'd be very wary around companies announcing dividends at this point in time and just understand how corporate actions may impact on my profitability. Outside of that, I also need to be ultra wary of volatility at this point in time. We've just been through a four to five year period of very low volatility, and I'm talking between 10 and 15% volatility, shooting up um, obviously in, in March to as high as 80% volatility. We've come back down from those levels, down to around that 30% volatility mark, but it is erratic, and the actual volatility between series is vastly different. The actual volatility curve itself has has uh, has come become quite steep uh, of most recent incidences, and uh, volatility is one of those major impacts on whether you'll be prof profitable in an options trade or not. Yeah, um, with that ball um, came wider spreads. Um, is there any, I mean, can you just talk us through what's been happening with the market makers, why spreads um, have widened, what we can expect going forward? Yeah, sure. So there's two key reasons um, as to why uh, spreads have widened. And I'll touch on uh, the easiest one to explain first, which is the underlying liquidity in the shares themselves has become much lighter. There, there isn't as much intraday share trading occurring. A lot of trades are happening on the open. A lot of trades are happening on the close of the equities market itself. And when you look intraday, it's a very small amount of shares on the bid and offer in many companies, and it's actually a widespread in the underlying shares themselves. Market makers hedge with the underlying shares. So if the liquidity in the underlying shares themselves is light, then unfortunately they're going to have to widen spreads to accommodate for the fact that they may have to move a stock four, five, six, seven cents before they can get their hedge away. With that in mind, uh, us at the ASX, we have obligations that we set on market makers. And whilst markets are what we call fast, or definitely moving in around that three to 4% movement each trading day, even intraday, uh, we've allowed wider spreads from the market makers themselves up to double what they would normally be quoting on the screen. So you will see wider spreads because of underlying stocks uh, moving much faster, but also being much less liquid than what was previously achieved. But there's also a knock-on effect of why we actually need wider spreads, and that is because market makers actually trade volatility. And they're buying and selling volatility. At 10 or 12%, they can afford to buy volatility at 9% and sell volatility at 11%, for instance, because it's not moving that much. When volatility spikes, however, there's no way a market maker can buy volatility at 40% and sell volatility at 42%. It's too risky for them. So they need to widen that volatility spread because it's much more volatile. Volatility of volatility is much higher. Um, stocks are or individual option series, sorry, are moving from 25% up to 45% just off of the movement in the underlying share market. So they do need to widen their volatility spread, which will have an in-turn effect of wider spreads on the screen as well. All right, fair enough. Um, the, a question uh, from Matthew. 
during high volatility periods, it's hard to place options order either direct with broker or platform. We've sort of spoken about that. How can we improve this? Um, how do we compare, say, with other you know, US market on the speed at which options trades are quoted um, and be able to place, be placed by traders? Yeah, so it, it comes back to um, the Australian market where I would always want to be asking that request for quote to have the market makers respond within that 15 seconds of that uh, quote request. Um, it is difficult for market makers to continuously quote in all series when the market is quite thin in the underlying shares themselves. However, uh, the feedback that we've received by market makers at the ASX is that they'll always be willing to respond to that quote request. So really, how do you go about that? Is it jumping on the phone to your broker or is there a way that um, ASX and brokers can work together to try and make uh, requests for quotes more electronic and make it more available for customers out in the marketplace. I think that's something that we have to learn a lesson from over the last mm. couple of weeks. It's too hard for a broker to, for a client to call their broker. Uh, they should have an opportunity to be able to ask that quote themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not all uh, allow it. Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, no. And, and once that quote's uh, been asked, um, we do expect the market makers and we do monitor that they respond to those quote requests. Um, I, I, would, I would expect that, uh, that in this uh, fast market or highly volatile market, that is the best way to be able to trade in the Australian options market at the moment. Yeah, very good. Um, Paul, I'm going to try and ask you a question. I'm not sure I 100% understand it, but anyway. Um, I've always wondered what factors factor makers maybe you're saying market makers relied on back in your early days on the floor to know what volatility, oh, you must be saying market makers. Okay. I've always wondered what market makers relied on back in your early days on the floor to know what, to know that volatility was rising and falling so that you needed to get new option pricing sheets. Was it stock or options? Uh, so at all times it was the stock price. Uh, it, it, even today um, uh, they, they would be looking at that stock price but Obviously, the, how fast that stock price moves then increases volatility as well. So they would not only reprint those sheets for the new stock prices, but they reprint those sheets uh, based on um, the change in volatility because of how fast that stock price had moved. So they did have uh, quite uh, quite good systems even even back then to be able to help them in uh, reprinting those sheets with new volatility and new stock price levels. But the trigger every single time was a movement in the stock price. Yeah. Um, can you talk about who's long and short in the market at the moment or your, your put-call ratio? Yeah, so it, it's interesting. We've been monitoring that, um, especially over the last uh, three to four months. And um, for those listeners that aren't aware of the put-call ratio, we actually look at, um, at how many puts are traded versus how many calls are trading across our entire market at the ASX. And the put-call ratio gives us an indication of whether more calls are being traded versus more puts are being traded. So a ratio with a percentage less than 100 means that more calls are being traded than puts, and a ratio greater than 100 means more puts traded than calls. If I go back to January, the put-call ratio was 75%. So puts were trading 75% as much as calls, so 25% less. We moved into February, 
that had jumped to 110%. So the market had already preempted and started to get nervous in February of trading more puts than calls just in one month's time. By the time we got to March, that had jumped to 125%. So there'd actually been a 50% movement in two months from multiple trading calls and puts. One of the indicators that we do provide in our monthly statistics is whether the market is net bought versus net sold in both calls and puts. Because obviously put call ratio doesn't develop much because we might have natural sellers selling puts and uh, natural buyers buying calls, which in effect gives the same direction. What's changed in March is that everything's flipped onto the board side of the equation. There isn't as many natural people in the marketplace wanting to sell options, and that tends to happen when volatility spikes, is that all of a sudden people become very nervous and don't want to take on that additional risk of selling options. The interesting point, though, is that that's definitely the case when volatility spikes and we have the big downturn that we saw in March. Once we come to the other side of that risk in the market, people have a little bit more confidence the number one trade that happens in coming out of the global financial crisis, and I speak the number one trade coming out of uh, this crisis that we're seeing, is people love selling calls to try and generate income streams on the other side of the uh, other side of the problems. Beautiful. Uh, Patrick's asked, with interest rates so low, are we seeing any difference in option volume as often people use options to leverage instead of margin? Um, look, the number one trade that we see in options market isn't actually a leverage trade. Um, we mentioned some of those instruments before in margin lending and, um, and uh, CFDs. Quite often people use those instruments for leverage. They'll use options interest instruments for um, share portfolio protection or if I'm taking a directional trade, it's about a very specific directional trade. So we actually haven't seen a huge amount of difference of people moving away from options, for instance, moving into uh, things um, like leveraged instruments because of lower interest rates. Um, yeah. It hasn't been the case in this particular uh, point in time. Uh, a few people have asked about the uh, put-call ratio. Is there any way that we can, where can we view that information? Is it published down Yeah, there? so uh, um, I might actually provide a link through to you, Patrick, but it's actually on the AFX's website. and. Um, we, we release our monthly statistics. So if you go to asx.com.au forward slash options um, yeah. or just on the ASX's website, search option market statistics, you'll be then able to see all of the statistics for the last eight or nine years. So if we go into options there, and then over on the right-hand side, you've got what's new. If we go below that advertisement, first time I haven't seen your ad there, Patrick. <laughs> No. Uh, yeah. What's new option option statistics under on that right hand side? There? Yeah, on the right hand side, what's new? So you got up coming events yeah. and what's new option statistics. Yeah. Um, this will give you um, all of the option statistics each and every month for the, the last eight, nine, ten years. If you clicked on March statistics there under options and futures monthly statistics. That'll take you to the statistics that we created at the ASX, giving you an idea of volumes. If we scroll down on this page, a lot of the information is is much more uh, applicable to yourselves as options traders. So keep on scrolling down. Gives you an indication of all the stocks that are traded, where are the volumes happening, which market makers, which brokers. 
But then yeah. if we keep on going down to this section, we can now start seeing net, net calls and puts and then your put call indicator at the bottom of that screen that you've got there. So we can see that it spiked uh, significantly from June where that blue line um, in open interest was much uh, lower in January and it spiked right up in March. So uh, yeah. it's at its, it's higher, that highest level in seven years that you can see uh, that put call indicator. Yeah, beautiful. There you go. Uh, all right. Well, I will. Will that link work for people? I'm not sure if it will. No, I'll have to go here. Anyway, I'll copy and I'll drop that into the chat box in just one moment. There you go, guys. You should have. Everyone should have that in their chat box now. Okay. Uh, let me go and have a look at. There were some more questions. Uh, Mark um, has asked. What is the main reason for having American and European options for equities? Would liquidity be better if there was only one type? All right, Graham's computer's locked up. It might be um, that everyone in, in his neighbourhoods um, turn Netflix on or MasterChef, I don't know, or something. Um, so we'll, I'll just go back and see if there are any questions there that, um, that I'm interested. Mark, a good question, by the way. Um, we'll see what he's got to say about that. Um, we'll give Graham just a moment to turn his computer back on and off again, um, which leads me into if anyone has got any questions that they haven't asked already, type them into the chat box. If for some reason we don't get Graham back, I'll just send him all the questions, get him to um, write down an answer, and I'll email everyone on the session tonight the answers. So. If you've got any questions about anything to do with the options market, market makers, liquidity, um, any ideas around products or anything like that or, or, or how things could be done better, um, put them into the chat box and we, I'll, we'll wait a moment and we'll try and get Graham uh, back. Just give him one sec to uh, turn his computer on and off and uh, have a go at starting it back, back things back up again. Uh, for anyone that's on the session that's not a uh, Reach Markets Implied Volatility client, uh, if you'd like to get a trial, just type in yes. And when you leave the session tonight, um, give us some feedback on how you found the session, apart from the technical, where you can tell us about technical issues, but um, and any of these sessions we've been running. On Thursday, we will be running the next big trade. So if you uh, would invite everyone that's on the session to, today, come along to that. And um, if you want to get a trial of our platform or open an account with us, type in yes, and we'll get you set up for a trial or we'll get you the necessary uh, information to be able to trade through us. Um, we have the best technology in Australia without question. We're always building it and expanding on it, and we have the uh, lowest cost uh, online trading um, pricing as well. All right, there you go. That's, that's my pitch. Um, let's have a look. Uh, Emmanuel, the question that you're asking, uh, if you've just started trading, I will get someone, uh, I'll get Pat, Patty or Tim uh, to give you a buzz and step you through that. It's very, very straightforward though. Um, well, Patty's asked, where do you see volatility over the next six months? I'll be interested to see what Graham's got to say about that when he gets back on. Um, and, you know, at the moment, uh, we are stimulating our economy. Markets love a bit of stimulus, right? 
Um, so my view on uh, volatility is that it'll probably drop for a period of time while the stimulus kicks in and we'll just see how companies hold up going into reporting season. Uh, the impacts of what's going on now I think will be will will shake out over over time. Um, and the governments are doing probably the right thing and that's um, you know uh, stimulating uh, the economy to help us sort of navigate through without having unnecessarily too deep a shocks to occur. But we're going to have to pay the price for some of what's going on at the moment at some point in time. Sounds like we've got Graham back. Graham, I was just uh, speculating on volatility, which is difficult to, to do um, well, Chris, with, without a crystal ball. But um, what I might do, you're, you're, you're back okay? Sound check? Yep. Hello, you got me? I have loud and clear. All right. Ah, perfect. So, I, had to, I had to go to a brand new computer. It wouldn't uh, wouldn't even let me on that one. Oh, well, we got there. So uh, the question the, the question that was asked by Mark um, when the sound went was, what is the main reason for having American and European options for equities? Would liquidity be better if there was only one type? Yeah, look, um, we've we've contemplated this a number of times at ASX, and the one that we'd actually get rid of is the European style options. Um, however, um, there's twenty percent of all the volume in our options market actually goes through in European style options. Uh, the reason why people use different uh, different styles is in Australia because of the high dividend paying stocks, there is risk of early exercise, so people like using those European style options. Um, we see in the index we only have one style, which is European-style options. But the appetite amongst the marketplace is actually to still have both. From a market maker's infantry perspective, um, it doesn't matter whether they're holding an American or a European. However, from a continuous quoting uh, perspective, it is more difficult to be quoting both for them. So hence uh, why we uh, ensure that there's quite requests out in the market that... We've contemplated it a number of times of only having one at ASX, but um, the appetite amongst customers is still high. Um, Paul said uh, he's found that hedging has been expensive uh, with puts and put spreads. Um, are, we, are you seeing a lot of hedging option transactions occurring now? Yeah, but uh, it's, it's much further out of the money. So um, it is expensive, volatility is expensive, but... Um, pe- people are just looking for that disaster insurance and um, the biggest purchase of, of puts at the moment are, uh, are our fund managers and superannuation funds. Uh, they're just going further out of the money so it's not costing them as much. Um, that, that, that will change. Um, as volatility starts to come off, you'll find that people are starting to buy that protection closer to the money, but uh, he's exactly right. It is, it is expensive at the moment, but... Uh, it, it will start to come off and people will start buying close to the money. Mark has asked, trading options on the VIX is massive in the US. Is there a way of trading VIX options in Australia? Uh, so we gave VIX a go in Australia. Uh, we, we looked at it um, from a futures contract perspective. Uh, the reason that VIX is so massive over in the States is that they have a very robust and liquid futures contract for market makers to be able to hedge their option exposure to. Unfortunately, um, VIX futures everywhere else in the world apart from America haven't really worked. Um, the reason being is that people are buying volatility and generally volatility is going to spike all the way across the world rather than region by region. 
So um, volatility futures over the United States uh, VIX are definitely the dominant player. Options over that VIX are exactly the same. Uh, what we would consider at ASX is rather than listing options over VIX itself, maybe listing options over VIX exchange traded funds instead. Uh, Paul's asked what has to happen to get some of the lower liquidity stocks to have some tighter bid ask spreads, e.g. afterpay. Uh, what has to happen is for market makers to be able to borrow stock on those uh, instruments. Uh, obviously their hedge often requires them um, selling shares that they may not actually own and they need to be able to borrow that stock. If the borrow market in those underlyings is thin, then it makes it very difficult for market makers to sign up for those types of stocks. So uh, at ASX, we're looking at ways to try and open up that stock borrow market in uh, these lower liquid stocks. But beyond that, it's really an infrastructure um, play for market makers. How much of their infrastructure do they point, want to point towards lower liquid stocks? And, and that, that's on us at the ASX to make it more commercially appetising for them to be able to be quoting in some of those lower dollar stocks, which means we have to provide some free infrastructure to market makers to help them. Uh, that's something that, uh, that my team will be working on over the coming year to, to look at incentives to have market makers quoting in more stocks, in more series, and in more styles of options. Um, question, Graham. Have... Um ETFs and and so forth had any impact on the the liquidity, the, you know, the trading liquidity throughout the day, and therefore impacted market makers, um, you know, uh, or the liquidity therefore impacted the market market spreads on stocks. Sorry, I didn't get the start of that one, Patrick. Was that APX? Was it or what was it? No, ETFs. You know, the move towards everyone going index. Um, Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, look, um, because people are, uh, are more passive and they're moving to more index-style instruments, you're noticing all of those index instruments are trading on the close. And I'm yeah. not sure everyone's saying it. We, we'll see a market where it might be up 1% or 2% on the trading day. And mm. um, that trend moving into the close means the market ends up up 4% because all the flow moves into those closing stocks. That's definitely having an impact on market makers. So are there other styles of instruments that ASX can introduce to help them provide liquidity for the market or them to source liquidity? Things like um, center point order types, which is a dark um, order in the equities market, allows them to be able to put orders on the screen without actually showing the, the, the stock is too strong or too weak at that point in time and maybe getting size away. Um, we definitely want to see more liquidity in the intraday hours. Um, that will help market makers. So any instruments we can improve in the equities market to do that definitely help, help them. And, and do you think uh, that the, the, this passive style is one of the reasons why volatility has gone so low and stayed so low for such an extended period of time, or is it just a virtue of the market grinding higher? Um, uh, I think, I think it, it's partly an element, but... Um, products like VIX definitely keep volatility low as well. When, when we start thinking about instruments that you're actually trading volatility itself, um, mm. it actually brings it back into a, a mean level very quickly. You might have seen a spike in volatility 
in past years without fixed products, it comes back into uh, back into where those uh, volatility products are actually trading. But uh, um, mm. definitely, it does subdue that liquidity. Uh, but sorry, volatility because kind of you've got massive amounts of money coming in and out of the market on on an index. Um, although events like we've seen more recently um, definitely have funds thinking about are there opportunities in individual stocks. So um, these events tend to bring out uh, more value investors. It, uh, it starts to move people away from uh, indexing. Okay. Um, Trudy has asked, is there any way that we can get that those stats in the current month? Uh, so we, we, we only release them at the end of the month now. The good news is, is that... Uh, Depending on which systems you're using for your trading, Wendy, um, all of the options market data is open. So you can see who's buying and selling options at any particular point in time as broking firms versus market makers. Um, you could actually generate those stats intra-month yourself off of the information and trading data you're seeing from your brokers. Uh, from an ASX perspective, we would only release those once a month. Though. Thing to look out for in those trading statistics when there's a trade and the broker ID, which is the uh, which is the uh, identifier that's attached to the broker that's trading. Anything with a 900 number is a market maker. Anything with a lower than a 900 mar uh, number is a normal broker in the market. So just, uh, just a quick hint there to know whether it's market makers or natural clients trade. Um. All right, Tony's asked, do market makers ever get accused of not quoting? Uh, all the time, and uh, we're, we're constantly uh, monitoring their performance. If we see them, uh, and they, they are allowed to not quote at times. Don't, don't get me wrong, there are markets that, uh, that are wild, um, and we expect them to be in there for 80% of the trading day. And uh, when they're not meeting those requirements, we penalise those market makers by uh, not giving them their, uh, their rebates for providing markets into the market. Um, a normal client in a single stock option gets charged 13 cents a contract by ASX. A market maker might pay as little as one cent per contract. Um, if they're not meeting their obligations, they'll be paying 13 cents a contract, the same as every other client for the entire month. Um, and uh, we do jump on the blower to them when we, uh, when we see them not in the markets or we get uh, a contact by brokers to tell us that uh, they're they're struggling to get set in uh, certain securities, we will uh, get in touch with market makers and uh, remind them of their obligations uh, to the market. Okay, uh, Jenny has asked, what are some of the things that ASX is doing to promote options market in Australia to a greater audience? Uh, so one of the things that we do is, um, is we provide... Uh, articles to our regular newsletters that, uh, that that go out to the marketplace. So there's currently around 250,000 Australians on those newsletters, and uh, we'll give them trading ideas uh, that help from a uh, from a options perspective. Um, we produce online education that everyone in the market's available to use, whether it's brokers, whether it's uh, whether it's uh, individuals that, uh, that that can access the ASX website to get that online education. Uh, previously, we've uh, we've toured the country and done seminars. Um, we've uh, we've worked with uh, Tradefloor to build an options trading game. Uh, quite often, um, 
we will try and provide tools and resources for our brokers to help them in being able to promote and market options to the marketplace. That's, uh, that's really the ASX's role in that particular case. All right. Well, I think we've got through most of the questions, Graeme. Um, uh, sorry for dropping out before. No, good that's old, okay. uh, Good old internet. Yeah, yeah, it happens. It happens. Uh, oh, Brian has, uh, has come in. Um, I should already know the answer to this, but here you goes. Exactly when do XJ options expire, please? Is it the start price this Thursday, the start of day price this Thursday? Yeah, so it's the opening index calculation. So really importantly, it isn't the opening value of the index itself. It's the opening of every stock in the index that determines the calculation. So you can imagine all of those stocks open at different times during the day. Your A to B stocks open at 10 a.m. and it isn't until uh, till 10.09 that we actually see all of the, uh, all of the other um, higher better uh, stocks opening in the index itself. So it's not until every stock itself opens the index that determines that opening index calculation. The last trading time, however, is not on the open. You can actually trade that contract even knowing what that opening index calculation is right up until 12 noon on the expiry day itself. Now, one of the things that you might look for in your broker screens is uh, for those brokers that use Iris or WebIris, they actually have, a, uh, have an instrument that gives you that opening index calculation. So if you type into your screens, OXJO, so like opening XJO, it'll actually give you uh, what that uh, opening index calculation is as the stocks are opening and it will move until all of them open. So uh, definitely keep an eye on that. So it's not the opening um, print of when the index opens, it's the opening print of when all stocks in the index open. All right. A couple of light questions. Um, Tony's asked, what percentage would be retail investors in the AOM? Uh, so if it's single stock options, you're looking at around about two-thirds retail investors, one-third institutional investors. If it's index options, about 50-50, 50% retail, 50% institutional investors. Really? Okay. Um, Paul, what do you think the most important things we retail traders can do to enhance our success, uh, our chances of success in this game? Uh, so in this game means the Australian option market I'm gathering. Um, yes. Num number one to me is you have to understand volatility. Um, I've seen so many trades, especially recently, where a person will get the direction right, and that's hard enough getting direction right, but having the wrong strategy that's on the wrong side of volatility can often mean that you pick direction right, but if you get volatility wrong, it still means you lose. Yeah. And I've actually seen clients recently get the direction wrong, but they've actually got the volatility right, and they've made money from those trades. Volatility, especially when it's wild as it is at the moment, there has to be a good understanding. You have to take a view on volatility. Number two, Never put an order in the Australian options market without asking a quote request. Yeah, beautiful. like it. Um, Trudy has asked, is XJO match on the radar for review, like in the States? Sorry, you've... Um, oh, XJO match, so the way that we determine the opening index calculation on Gathering Wendy. Uh, at this point in time, it's not. Um, 
way back when, when I first started, we actually did the open, uh, sorry, the um, XJ settlement price was the closing value of the index itself. It was rife for manipulation. Um, people could put orders in um, for um, pushing the market up or pushing it down without any risk of those orders being transacted against after the market had closed. Uh, we believe that the fairest way to do that is on an opening index calculation to ensure that orders that are put into the market actually transact and they're open to trading immediately after the stock is opening. We also put very significant rules around how brokers can place orders on those big index expiries to ensure that the market is fully informed so they can't put an order in and take it immediately out. They actually have to leave orders in the market once they place them in. So I think we actually uh, learned a lot of lessons from overseas to have the right um, measure in place here in Australia. Right. <laughs> Here's a last one for you. If I had a very profitable XGO trade with only a couple of days to expire, should I close it or let the cash settle into my account? <laughs> uh, have we got that disclaimer from the, uh, from the start of the session? It's one of those really one, uh, difficult ones. It's, <laughs> it, I, I, I don't know the individual client's position, but um, if, if you're... If you're nervous about the market moving away from you, sometimes uh, uh, a bird in the hand is worth better than two in the bushes, isn't it? Isn't the same? So, uh, I get a, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be more direct. Close it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those. Uh, it's one of those uh, difficult ones that clients always face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to know, but close it. Um, <laughs> The uh, look again, you know, it just depends on 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 absolutely your trading plan and how you manage things. Um, yeah, yeah. So Sean's asked about uh, quote requests. Sean, it's something we're working on, and 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 one or two others have asked about quote requests as well. Um, it it is definitely on the top of our list of things to to bring, build in. Um, it's just one thing that restricts us at the moment, but we're working yeah. on. I think importantly, Patrick, that, that partly the reason why quote requests aren't available to clients is partly um, on ASX to solve the problem for as well. So um, I appreciate the, the issue that you face as brokers, but um, we actually have a rule in our markets at the moment that, um, that requires brokers to only ask so many quote requests for orders being entered. Um, that puts then obviously pressure on brokers to be able to monitor that um, before allowing clients to put quote requests in. Uh, we need to work with the Australian Securities Investments Commission to, to change that rule to make it easier for brokers to allow quote requests for retail clients. Uh, that rule is really to stop um, market makers or even institutional clients flooding the market with quote requests, which is not what the uh, rule was intended for for retail customers. Yeah. Um, Paul's asked, will the upcoming blockchain system impact options trading? Look, um, uh, blockchain or uh, when we think about delayed ledger technology is all about um, security settlement. Um, I think there's definitely opportunities that that raises from an options market perspective, especially in the way that the stock borrow market, it might open up um, new players to that particular market, which makes it easier for, uh, for market makers to be able to stock borrow uh, once that technology is available. I think that definitely provides great opportunities for an options market in the future. 
Beautiful. No. At this point in time, we're not planning settlement on um, on blockchain for the options market at this point in time. I'm going to uh, allow for maybe one more question if someone wants to ask it. Um, but if we're not seeing anything come through, I'll, I'll, I'll call the session to hold one second. Um, okay, Jason has asked, anything new coming in the future or any changes being planned by the ASX options team? Oh, look, um, if I think about um, what we're planning in the future, it's all around behind the scenes at ASX. So we have, um, we have infrastructure that supports our market, our clearing and settlement of options, also our trading of options. A lot of our work will be behind the scenes in making sure those systems are as efficient as they can be for the brokers that are accessing the market. When I think about products that, uh, that we'll be focused on, uh, number one is bringing more options over ETFs to the market. So at the moment, we only have the one option over, over an ETF, which is over the S&P ASX 200 index. We want to look towards other styles of products in the market as well. Um, some international indices, for instance. Um, beyond that, we're focused on the cost of trading options from an ASX perspective. So that 13 cents per contract in single stock options is the same whether I'm trading a $1 stock or it's the same whether I'm trading a $250 stock. Uh, we'll be looking at fees to make it much fairer across the spread of options. Uh, of stocks that we have in our options market. So maybe making fees cheaper for lower dollar stocks might be more expensive for higher dollar stocks. And finally, working with market makers to try and provide liquidity um, across the entire suite of options that are available. That would be the third piece of work we are focused on in the coming year ahead. Um, Graham, uh, uh, Tim's asked uh, what education tools does ASX have relating to interpreting volatility? Okay, so we, we have um, on our website an advancing an options course and there's some modules built within it um, that are specific to volatility itself. Um, it's really more around um, the theory behind volatility. Quite often the only way that you can actually understand volatility is through using tools like uh, Patrick's got on the screen at the moment in screeners to give us an understand, understanding on implied volatility ranks. But just as importantly, um, participating in an options trading game and getting a better understanding as to how volatility impacts on your profits is quite important as well. Unfortunately, you can do as much theory as you want. Um, it's not until you have, um, have traded in an options game or actually have real money in the market that you really do see the impact of volatility. But uh, I'll definitely look towards our advancing an options course to see the theory behind volatility and then play some games and use some tools like uh, like Patrick showing on the screen. Yeah. Uh, Tim, we've got a couple of webcasts we've run on the topic of volatility, um, which you should be able to pick up from our uh, resource centre. Um, if you can't find them in there, just ask us and uh, ask one of my guys and they'll... Uh, email them through to you, but it's something obviously we've called our uh, trading platform implied volatility for a reason. Uh, completely concur with Graham. If there's one thing you need to know about if you're trading options, it's volatility and there's such an edge you can get from understanding volatility. It's one of the reasons why I love it as a trading product because I feel 
my ability to, to understand what volatility is doing is better than my ability to pick direction. Um, so that if I add that to picking direction, there's a, a significant edge, I think, that you can gain and a lot of other options traders can you share with me on that point. Uh, there's a significant edge you can gain, and which is why we built a whole bunch of volatility IV tools. Um, all right, so, uh, well, two final questions for you, Graham. Both of them are, uh, are saying, what is your favourite strategy or go-to strategy? Uh, or if you could choose one, what would it be? My, my one is always bull and bear spreads, but I love getting paid money, so it's generally always a credit bull or bear spread and I generally like them on the index because I don't have to worry about stock coming in and out of my portfolio. I actually like it on um, on cash coming in and out. So generally index bull and bear spreads where I have a very specific view about the movement. But, uh, that's my favourite trades um, personally. Um, the trade that I actually... Um, liked the best when I've um, when I was first learning about options was the old stock repair strategy and a lot of us would have stocks that have fallen significantly hopeful for a bounce um, I think you guys would have the stock repair in the options game I know we've definitely got some information on it on the market that effectively it's buying a a bull spread um, but then selling an additional call um, up at the level where you're happy to get out of the stock that often gets you out fifty um, percent faster than having the stock to rally all back to the price that you bought it at in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark's asked, uh, will, do you think Optiva will come to Australia? Uh, so Optiva were in the Australian market previously. Um, they were uh, one of our top market makers in the Australian options markets. Uh, around about five or six years ago, they decided to um, point their infrastructure towards the Chinese market instead. Um, we are in regular communication with Optiva uh, here in Australia and uh, we continue to uh, to promote the Australian options market to them. We hope that they'll uh, come back in the future. Got it. All right. Well, thank you to everyone for taking the time uh, to join us tonight. Uh, fantastic questions. Uh, Graeme, thank you very much for taking the time uh, to join us as well. Uh, and uh, as if anyone leaves tonight, uh, please leave us some feedback on how you found the presentation. Back on next Tuesday night again uh, with another speaker, uh, which I'm just confirming. I've got a couple that I just need to lock one in on day, but it will probably be a funds manager who has used options within portfolios through a whole range of different um, ex experiences to generate income and to protect. So that'll be an interesting session, also a trader in his own right and so forth. So um, come along next week. I'll advertise the exact details of it in the morning reports over the next couple of days. Um, but uh, please give us some feedback on the way out. If you're not someone that uses our platform and you'd like a trial of it, get a 30-day trial by typing in yes into the chat box or you can request it on the way out as well. But we really appreciate any feedback. Graeme, thank you so much for joining us. Not all right, thank you. All right, guys. Uh, we'll see you online next uh, Tuesday night. Or come and join us at the next big trade session, midday Thursday. Thanks, guys. Good night.